you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Good morning, football indeed. We are presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky. We're live here in New York City. It's Tuesday, November 29th. I'm Jamie Erdahl. It's Kyle Brent, Peter Schrager, Jason McCurdy. We were just talking in the break about how many shows we have done together. Mm. What does it feel like to you? Thousand or one? Oh, man. Uh, I get to wake up next to you guys. It feels like day one. Oh, nice. Nice to wake up to you, too. The first thing I said to you this morning, I looked at you, I looked at your outfit, and you look great. What did I say to you? You look like Debo. Yeah. You said you look like Debo from Friday. Oh. That's what we do. I took that as a compliment. Oh, yeah. I took that as I was looking small. That's it. That's cool. I like it. We'll see. On the 1,000th episode of this uh, of our group together, Kyle will have his collar figured out and his button downs, which is yes. why he is in yeah. a T-shirt now for the rest don't of the get show. Him, don't get him started. I know, right? <laughs> Got to get those collars to stay up, man. That's inside stuff, but it hits home. <laughs> now I'm triggered. You know what else? Now does? I'm triggered. Game management. Yeah. Kyle. Let's read this cool highlight. <laughs> Time for the Steelers dog. Colts. Everyone was fired up for this game. <laughs> Mike Tomlin is going to have to finish five and one from here on out to keep his never have a losing season record alive. It's a really tough ask, but they came to fight last night. They won 24 to seven. And after the game, Mike Tomlin, as usual, asked about his rookie quarterback's progress. Guys, you guys ask me that every week. You know, he's getting better every week, and it's in a very natural way because of experience. Um, he's a competitor. He's smart. Um, but it's still a lot of meat on the bone, and, and it's just a process. Uh, but like I always say, he's good enough and we're good enough to win while that happens. And so we're not grading him or us on a curve. We acknowledge that he's very much in development. Uh, you can ask me next week, and I'll tell you, he got better in all areas again next week because with each snap becomes exposure and sharp guys, guys that are competitors, they grow from those things. All right, let's hang within this division and talk elsewhere in the AFC. Joe Burrow, happy to have his old pal back this weekend. Tom Pelissero, you're my old pal, and I'm happy to have you on the show to talk about Jamar Chase. What's happening with the Bengals as they prepare to take on the Chiefs? Happy to be here, Jamie. Jamar Chase is expected to return for this week's AFC Championship rematch against the Chiefs. This according to our Ian Rappaport yesterday. Obviously, it would be a big addition for the Bengals at this stage because Chase was on fire before he suffered that hip injury back on October 23rd. Had 15 catches for over 260 yards and four touchdowns in the two games immediately preceding that injury. Meanwhile, Coach Zach Taylor said that Joe Mixon remains in the concussion protocol but is making progress. The majority of players do return two weeks after a concussion, so the possibility here, Jamie, that the Bengals could have both of those studs back for a big game against Kansas City. That would be huge. That is a fantastic game to look forward to. Tom Pelissero, we appreciate you. Talk to you in a little bit. Let's take a look at the AFC playoff picture. The Bengals and the Ravens now both sit at 7-4. and four. However, Baltimore is sitting a little bit prettier in the four seed thanks to their weak five win over the current six seed Ravens. Mm -hmm. But um, you may have felt 
like a slight seismic shift, if those is an oxymoron, slight seismic, uh, when Cincinnati took care of business against the Titans on the road and the Ravens fell to Jacksonville. It's just really unexpected Sunday outcomes for these teams within that division. So let's talk AFC North and the power shift that could have happened mm-hmm. to Cincinnati mm-hmm. on yeah. Sunday. It feels like the vibe in the media is all now going from Ravens to Bengals, and that's fair. They've won three games in a row. They won in Tennessee, while the Ravens, of course, lost. Let's look at what's up ahead for these two teams. Okay. It's going to be a race to the finish. Obviously, the Ravens have the tiebreaker. They beat them. But on the left-hand side is the Ravens. So Broncos struggling. Steelers under 500. Browns with Falcons. So there's not – I mean, that is – a. On the other end, you're looking at Brady trying to fight to get in the playoffs. Look at the Patriots fighting in the playoffs. The Bill- so you would say on paper, Ravens. Bengals have a tougher slate than the Ravens. So, yes, this shift. And yet, gosh, have we not been here before? I'm watching that game against Jacksonville, and it is like the definition of insanity is watching the same thing happen over and over and, the defense. and over again. Why can't they stop anyone when it matters? This is like there was no urgency, and this is a great defense all season, and they've really picked it up the last few weeks. And Roquan is supposed to, And this is against Jacksonville. So if we're going to dismiss the Bengals because of their schedule that's remaining against the Jaguars, if you're losing to Jacksonville, anybody, yeah. you can lose to anybody. Right. Kenny Pickett looked all right yesterday. I mean, Deshaun Watson's going to be on the field for the Browns. So... To me, yeah, it's it shifted, and it's because of that Ravens defense. And I go back one step further. When Lamar would lose in the playoffs those first couple of years, mm-hmm. it would be like, all right, like, given the experience, kind of thing, has anything changed on the coaching staff? I mean, yes, Wink Martindale's no longer there, and Mike McDonald's, but it's still the Greg Roman offense. It's still Harbaugh. It's still the same way they operate without a big wide receiver. Like, when Steph Curry couldn't get over the hump, they were like, all right, Let's make a couple changes here, and we'll get you some different pieces. And maybe Steve Kerr comes in and does this. I feel like the Ravens are the same team this year that they were three years ago, four years yeah. ago, five years Standard ago. Standard issue Ravens. This yeah. is what They're it the is. They'll get into the playoffs, and then and they'll be either on the yeah. road in the wild card round, or they'll be at home. And, like, I don't have much faith that what we're watching Sundays to Sundays is going to get over the hump and is any different than it's been in recent years. I hate to be such a damper on this thing, but, like, that loss to Jacksonville was really bad. Mm-hmm. Really bad. They had that game in their pocket and it felt like that one should have been a win. And if they were a different Ravens team, they would have put them away at the end. Mm. Cincinnati looks good. I mean, they're scary right now. They're, they're hitting on all cylinders as they're getting their guys back. And you're right. The loss that the Ravens just suffered to Jacksonville in overtime was a tough one. But before that game, they had ripped off four in a row. And you look at that game, it was a game of missed opportunities. Multiple times in the red zone, they're walking away with Tucker field goals instead of touchdowns. Mark Andrews drops a touchdown. Demarcus Robinson drops a touchdown. Josh Oliver drops a touchdown. Three guys drop touchdown passes in the red zone. And for me, I look back, you talk about this Ravens defense struggling. Yes, they are. But I also look back at week five when they played the Cincinnati Bengals and all week we were playing the Marlon Humphrey sound with them being 32nd in pass defense and getting ready to go up against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Mixon in the backfield. However, were they going to be able to handle these guys? And they go out and they win this game and they give up 17 points to this Cincinnati Bengals team. And I know it's been a while. Both teams have grown. Both teams have gotten better. They're playing at different levels right now. But let's just not dismiss the fact that they beat them already in week Agreed. five. And-
And I'm not saying the Baltimore Ravens are a change team and they're destined for the Super Bowl because, Peter, you bring up a lot of great points. They've struggled in the playoffs. The same offense that has been dominant throughout the regular season hasn't been able to have that same level of success when it's been nut cutting time and it's the playoffs and you have to produce. Yeah, I said it, Kyle. And so I'm not saying they're in the Super Bowl, but this is a team I'm not ready to say all of a sudden, all right, Cincinnati, crown them. They're going to win the division. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a battle between these two teams, and I don't know if Baltimore has given up that lead to the Bengals. They're still atop of them in the division. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a really fun December for these two teams, that's for sure. Uh, Seismic, I think we're on the doorstep of it, of a shift for the Bengals and this offense. Uh, So far this season, Joe Burrow, this is a little in the weeds, but on passes that are seven yards or less, they don't win a game. They're 0-4. When he passes for longer than seven yards per attempt, they're seven and zero. So, what do you need back? You need Jamar Chase back. He's really good. He's been hurt. They've survived the last four weeks without him. But a good Jamar Chase as an opportunity downfield for a really good Joe Burrow is something that every team is going to struggle with, particularly the Baltimore Ravens when they have to face them again. But for any secondary, these two have a really special connection. Jamar Chase was on pace to challenge that Justin Jefferson first three seasons statistically. He's been really good. This injury obviously set him back. He won't reach it now, but he's really special. This Bengals offense is really special, especially when the offensive line stands up, which they had been struggling with to start the season. But it seems like every group on this team, particularly the offense, has figured it out. And what I like most is the confidence that Joe Burrow has exuded throughout this entire time. He has never looked rattled. He's never looked bothered. He looks really great. And then he's been without his best buddy downfield for the last four games, and he still figured it out. Mm-hmm. The Bengals look good. The Ravens They struggled against Jacksonville. I think, again, I always come back to an Achilles heel when a team like Jacksonville can expose something like that for a Ravens defense. Mm -hmm. Bengals have been able to snowball this. I think the shift is going their way. It feels that way. And, look, there's a stink on the Ravens. And when you lose to Jacksonville on the last play of the game, there's a stink on you. And I'm sorry, Jacksonville, but there's a stigma about the Jaguars. And if this loss had been to the Raiders – or even the Lions, oh, whatever. There's something about losing to Jacksonville. It doesn't happen much, and especially in which your quarterback was outplayed by their quarterback. And then your quarterback afterwards went on social media and tweeted something really toxic and abrasive and unprofessional and all that. I'm sure he regrets it. And then it becomes a story in the media. There's a whole stink. And then there's the larger thing about, like, this is our quarter-billion-dollar quarterback, and he can't beat Jacksonville in a game that we need it? And I get all of that. However... It is a gut punch loss. It's not season ending. I'm actually doubling down on Baltimore. Um, Before that loss, they were on a four-game win streak. They're a first-place team. The defense didn't look pretty in that loss. But, like, if we're sitting here with Buffalo and saying, well, they lost two in a row, and they lost to the Vikings, they lost to the Jets, but, like, we still kind of believe in them. I'm not quite sure why we don't give the same belief to Baltimore. What has Buffalo done that Baltimore hasn't? I, I mean, they have a really talented quarterback, and they haven't been able to get to the Super Bowl. I I still am in on Baltimore. I think it was a really bad week. Really bad. But this is why you have that coaching staff that doesn't change. That's why you have Lamar. Now, Lamar might be at a crossroads, not for his seasoning, but like in his whole career. Because the the contract thing is massive. And if we're sniffing some bad things that are happening and this thing spirals out of control and the Bengals run away with the North and they don't make it, then we have like Armageddon in terms of Lamar. They lost to Jacksonville. It was a bad loss. They were on a four-game winning streak going into then. They're talented. They've turned, they fixed some things. They have the same coaching staff. Peter, you want to push back? Just was posed this on Twitter, and I'm not asking for us to do an answer. It sounds very off-season. Yeah. If you had to build your team right now, are you taking Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow? Burrow. Burrow. 
Burrow. Younger. He's he's just. I think he's shown a little bit more. And I mean, look, Lamar's an MVP. I yeah. like Lamar. Yeah. Answer your own question. It would be tough because Lamar can win any game on his own. Burrow has been to the AFC Championship game yeah. in his second year. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel like Burrow right now, it's all the momentum going towards mm-hmm. him. But what do you guys say? Oh, that's a tough one. Lamar's different. Yeah, I, that's a tough one. I, I'll say Lamar to push back against sure. you guys. But either one of those guys, I'm taking them as my quarterback and let's build around them. Let's go win games. I'm totally fine with Lamar under center as my quarterback. Mm-hmm. Just like 15 years running one quarterback, you're going to build your team off of them. I'll go Burrow. Mm-hmm. I'll go Burrow too. Mm-hmm. Just like it's just, but the depends on what kind of quarterback style you like to watch year in and year out, yeah. and what's sustainable for your team. <laughs> Pittsburgh gets a huge road win on Monday night, keeping their mathematically slim playoff hopes alive. But it was important. It was yeah. important to see a lot of things that went down last night. Takeaways from the Steelers' win over the Colts. On a Monday night, Peter. Yeah, you know, we're, we're in the Zach Wilson world here at Good Morning Football. Okay. It's in our backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you hear so much about, well, Zach Wilson's young, and he hasn't had the experience yet, and he's regressing, and he doesn't know what's... A- Meanwhile, I'm watching a Monday Night Football. Kenny Pickett is growing up before our very eyes into what a starter should look like in the NFL. And he wasn't this when he first got on the field. Last night, they fall behind 17-16. Kenny Pickett takes his team, says, let's go on a drive. Two big third-down conversions that were huge here. This is third long on their own 20. Pickett Mm -hmm. across the field to Pickens. This is a great combination already. They're both first-year guys. Then on another third down conversion, nails this one to get to the goal line. And then the story that we got from the offensive line afterwards in the locker room is that after a timeout because the injury, he called this play to Benny Snell. He said he's the one who was like, let's get this play going. So I, I, we're watching someone grow up before our very eyes. You mentioned it. It's been two weeks since he's thrown a turnover. That was after the bye week. Mm-hmm. Hasn't thrown a turnover yet. Last week against Cincinnati, against a good Bengals team, he was putting up points. He was moving the ball. I think we're watching Kenny Pickett grow up before our very eyes. And this might be a lost season in Pittsburgh. It really might be. It might be, hey, this finishes with six wins or seven wins. Or maybe it just ends here and it's four wins, whatever it is. But this was the necessary lumps they needed. And now next year, Kenny Pickett's going to be a 25-year-old starter in the NFL. Yeah. There are no doubts he's our guy. He's showing like, us some stuff. We've yeah. got our quarterback situation yeah. assembled. Yeah. In New York right now, you've got a younger quarterback in Wilson who's got another year under his belt, mm-hmm. and yet he's not quite figuring it out and he's regressing. I think this is a statement to the coaching, statement to the young man. And I come away from this thing, big win for the Steelers in that locker room, not a big win in the overall AFC playoff picture mm-hmm. necessarily. Yeah, I would agree with that. And definitely not a lost season because, to your point, when you have young players that are getting a chance to develop in some games, whether it's meaningful to the playoffs or not, like Mike Thomas said, it's gained experience each time they're on the field. And you just mentioned Kenny Pickett and the George Pickens connection. My goodness, George Pickens looks good. Every time we see a chance for him to go out there on primetime, we watch him early on in the season versus the Browns, make a ridiculous one-hand catch. And he just got started Monday night with another one deep down the sideline. As I'm watching this, I'm like, face on the defender, this is really good defense. Like, Pickens stretches out, catches the ball across the sideline. He hits the ball, and he still is able to hold on to it. But what stood out to me was he makes that huge catch, but then throughout the course of the game, he has two drops after the Colts score a touchdown that end the drive for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. But he responds, and you showed that third and nine connection, pick it to Pickens, and he makes a catch diving on the ground. Then he comes up with a two-point conversion later on in that drive 
on the touchdown where he gets open to give Pickett a chance to find a window to make that throw. George Pickens is getting better, just like Kenny Pickett, each week out, and he's going to be a superstar each time mm. he makes mm. these miraculous catches and it's so fun and entertaining mm. to watch. There's sometimes you'll see a young receiver on the back end of a bad team like who just goes off. I'm thinking about Odell, mm-hmm. uh, Josh Gordon, and you're like, wow, these guys are great. I'm a yeah. Darnay Scott. Darnay yeah. Scott. Bad Bengals teams, he would always show up with Jeff Blake. Yeah. Pickett looks really good, though. What do you got, Jamie? Uh, I have to flip the table here and Please go do. the final two minutes of that game. Yeah, go for it. Man, uh, three timeouts. Uh, again, I, I don't mean to sound snarky, but like you, you can't take them with you, Jeff Saturday. And what I'm really curious about is the ball is kept in bounds here for the Colts. They have four opportunities and a two-minute option. The clock is running. And Jeff Saturday's defense of his lack of timeout calling with three of them available to him yeah. was that he felt like they had the right plays available mm-hmm. and they just didn't get them done in time. Well, Coach, that's your job, to give them the opportunity to get back to the line of scrimmage, to literally stop the clock, a game that we like to play, and reset, have a minute with your team, with your coordinators. Here's my question, though, and this is mm-hmm. kind of a, this is a pessimistic way to look at it, but anyone screaming in Jeff Saturday's ear? Mm-hmm. Anyone telling him, Coach, call a timeout? What's happening? So one of two kind of not great looks is happening with the Colts in the final two minutes there. Either someone's barking in his ear to call timeout and he's so overwhelmed with the situation, not listening mm-hmm. to have an awareness, to have get input in a game management situation like that, or people are leaving him out to dry mm. and they're not telling him to call timeout and it's just crickets and that's his own decision making. Well, mm. This is I'm going to interrupt. I mean, the the owner doubled down so hard on it and mm. everyone was so happy after the first one. Is anyone even allowed to be critical of Jeff Saturday in the building? Are they, or is it like, oh, because the boss says, yeah, I'm not, I'm not messing with him. The owner picked him. The GM's not like, do they want to? Do they want, or are they just like, all right? But here's my, that's what makes me think it was crickets in his ear because they're just like, okay, if you're going to do this, then you're going to. Well, I, I think what this is is like this is catnip for anyone who is rooting against Jeff Saturday, which I'm definitely not. I still think the hire was ridiculous, but this is the moment you've been waiting for. And what's strange to me about it, James, is that in the middle of this and the clock's running and you have three and you're losing, when you see him on the sideline, like he's kind of just standing there. He's not saying anything. He's not coaching. I love the visual. Uh, He's not coaching. He's just kind of there. Scratching his head literally. Meanwhile, Aikman, (laughs) you know, it's like, yeah, they're really burning a lot of clock here. And, and Buck's like, oh, I'm sure they'll call a timeout now. And Aikman's like, wow. A couple other things. I can't believe Matt Ryan didn't call a timeout, who feels like he's been playing 30 years after he makes the long run. You would think, call a timeout. Get involved. Um, also, I'm really disappointed there was not a Manning cast last night because oh. obviously, you know, Peyton and Jeff are very close. And Peyton's thing is always, timeout! He's always screaming at the camera would to Peyton call have a timeout. Done that? Yeah. Would he have screamed at him or would he have said, that a boy? I think he probably would have screamed. Yeah. Would have I think that's a reaction for Peyton. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't get it, so yeah. it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Um, I think, it's, I think it's, it's two teams that are not going anywhere right now. But this was the Jeff Saturday moment and the excuse afterwards was kind of floundering. I find it very strange he's on the sideline not coaching or yelling or talking or gesticulating. He's just kind of there. So that leads me to Jamie's questions about what is the chain of command? Who is in control? Who's in the driver's seat? There there should have been a a timeout called for sure. They didn't lose the game because of it. They lose the game because they ran out of downs. But if if you're watching the end of that game, and we're getting really deep in the weeds now, if they get the first down, they would have eventually run out of time or not been able to use Taylor because they didn't call timeout. So the game management just went went the hell out the window, and I don't know who is in charge there. That's the thing. No one was at the wheel. Jason, what did you see? point where you say like even Matt Ryan call a timeout a lot of times in those team meetings the head coach says 
I'm in charge of really? I'm the captain now. I will be. You'll see a quarterback <laughs> call it as a playcock's running down, stuff's not comfortable. You call the timeout. In a two-minute situation, players are on the field. They have to play. That is where you have the coaches on the sideline because the players, everything's moving fast to control everything going on. And when you say, like you just said, they ran out of downs, they didn't get to play. But when you see a sack, when you see a hand, and people are scrambling, a timeout just puts everybody can I, can at I push ease. Back? So Stephon Diggs makes a big catch and immediately gets up and does this. Yeah. Is that no, not no, usually no, adv- advisable? How, ma- how many times do you see guys do that? Very rarely. But because like, does he have the power to do it in that situation? We watch McVay sprinting down the yeah. sideline because right. as a coach, I don't have a helmet on. I am at ease. My mind, I have somebody talking to me upstairs. I'm looking at it like, all right. We're going right now. If we catch a a pass down the middle, we have to get a timeout. So coach should always be one to two steps ahead. As soon as that pass is completed, it's a great job by Diggs, but he's running down the sideline, timeout, timeout. Mm -hmm. For Matt Ryan, you start calling timeouts. If Jeff Saturday's thinking something Mm -hmm. different, now you're conflicting and he may want to save. So it's it's a little difficult. Mm -hmm. Diggs' play is so big. It's so obvious that, hey, we're calling a timeout the next play. I hear that in any other game situation than in the sub two minute when their clock is going. I hear that if it's a third quarter and you're like, dude, what are you doing? Mm. I wanted to save that for X, Y, and Z. But I don't think anyone would have argued against Matt Ryan or Jonathan Not Taylor my job. or anybody. Yeah. Not my job. Mm, but to my point, what then that feels very like you're on an island, coach. Mm. No. I, I would have loved to see the all 22 of that whole two minute drive. Right. Just an intern, anybody going up. Mm-hmm. Coach, maybe a timeout. Mm-hmm. Like, just somebody Agreed. have the guys Agreed. back. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Maybe Aikman. I don't know. I'm screaming from the broadcast. I was trying. Press box is like a text down. I know. Hey, Jeff. I know. I right. know. I know. It's weird ending. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Tuesday morning we do a segment, we enter, we out. We've got so many storylines across the league and so many teams to talk about. One team we didn't really talk a lot about on Monday. Who? The San Francisco 49ers, they're rolling. They're on a four-game winning streak, and it's not because of necessarily McCaffrey or Garoppolo. It's the defense that has been incredible. This is in the second half of the last four games. Zero points allowed, only less than 100 yards per game, and their most recent performance was a shutout against the Saints. It's the first time the Saints have been shut out since week 17 against who? Oddly enough, the 49ers in 2001. (laughs) 2001 Niners. It's 21 years since the Saints win a game without putting a point on the board. Here's the game. That's our guy, Jeff Garcia. Mm. On the Saints side, it was Aaron Brooks and Ricky Williams, and they failed to score against Steve Mariucci. Yeah, what's up, Mooch? Steve Mariucci's 49ers. But enough about the past. Let's talk about the current here. Who we got there? That was a deep, incomplete pass to Ty Streets. Not bad. I'll (laughs) take it. That's why we're here, NFL (laughs) Network. Here's my statement. D'Amico Ryans' defense, the 49ers' D. In all of football, you've got offense, defense, and special teams. The scariest unit in the sport right now are the 49ers' defense. Mm -hmm. Jason, you in or you out? I am 
in You're on in? this one. Yes, I am in. And it's not all about stats. I know yesterday the number one scoring defense in the NFL, the first in yards allowed in the NFL. But when you talk about being scary, it's on each level of the defense. Nick Bosa up front, the pressure getting after quarterbacks. Fred Warner on the second level, hitting people, running the defense. And then our guy. Talanoa Hufunga in the back end, causing fumbles, pick sixes. This defense is scary because they're up at the top when it comes to stats, but they have scary players on defense, guys who can make plays week in and week out. I'm all in on the 49ers defense, getting it done each and every week. Reason to do the segment is just to say Talanoa Hufunga. We like to say that guy's name, and we like to watch him play. Uh, for me, this comes down to um, would you want to be down four points and have to dra- go the whole field to beat mm. the 49ers, or would you rather be up four points and have to face the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. And I- I'm going to go out on the Niners. And look, it- I'm scary in terms of like they're going to beat me up and they're going to be my nightmares and they're going to make me fumble. The Niners, scariest in terms of like our season's going to over and I'm going to get fired or cut. I still think it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I still think Patrick Mahomes is the bad, bad, bad dude. Uh, I've seen him do it a thousand times, 13 seconds, you name it. I think it was the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes is the scariest on the field. I'm going to go with the 49ers defense, too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they play the Dolphins this week, and Mike McDaniel had this fantastic story because uh, he was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. He's been watching this young man, Nick Bosa, firsthand the last couple of years. He goes, he's the best pass rusher in the NFL. That guy has a pulse. You have to be concerned about it. He's hit a quarterback 30 times so far this season, which leads the NFL. He's got 11 and a half sacks. Feels like he's everywhere. His name doesn't roll off the tongue the same way Talano Hufungas does. Nick Talano. Bosa, but man, he rolls off an offensive line like it's it's not even a problem. Here's the favorite part of my Mike McDaniel story, though, or the story he shared yesterday in the media. It says, Nick Bosa, you see him walking around the facility, and, you know, he, he look, he's in the strength room. He looks awesome. And i got to come back on camera in order to show you this yeah, uh, example. But So Mike McDaniel goes, he's in the facility, and he just does pass rush moves, like on inanimate <laughs> objects in the facility, like the soap dispenser. So, like, I'm seeing this vert monitor here, and, like, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm Nick Bosa, I'm like, yeah. whoa. Whoa, like, <laughs> you swim the vert monitor. I just swam the vert monitor. That's just that's what you have to deal with if you're. New. You would have got blocked. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, tough. I'm not. That was pretty good. Is that a swim move? That was a swim move. Is that? Is no, there any right. other move? There is a few. Peter's been oh, here six years. Oh, and the under. You, got, you got the main one though. I got the main one. Yeah. Wow. He's classically trained. That's a classically trained. He does that move yeah. around the facility. He does. Yes. He does. That's amazing. Um, I have a friend who everywhere it's really obnoxious. Everywhere we go, he just like is doing his golf swing. Uh. Oh. Is that Bosa with like yeah. the swim? The I, the tennis. Does your friend lead the league? Kind of like when you would go to Foot Locker as a kid. Guys, shoot the basketball. Run around a little bit, you know. And you're like backing down the God, I, I, yeah. hate, I hate golf, golf guys. Yeah. Right. Golf guys, yeah. the worst. Golf guys annoying. All right. Uh, Chiefs golf. offense. Jets defense has been really good. Mm. Nothing the most dominant, but there is a common thread here with like Robert Sala. But Jets offense has been hideous all season until last week, and they were winning football games mm-hmm. in the Jets defense. So to me, the most dominant unit and the scariest unit, of course, is the Niners. But if anyone has gone up against the Jets defense, the thing afterwards yeah. is like, they're so physical. Mm, yeah. They're so good. They don't have the wins. They don't have the, the numbers and the explosive plays. Maybe the, the The Jets defense this week, big game, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
typical Monday in New England. The captains speak at the podium. Devin McCourty, your brother, got to speak, and you got an unexpected visitor with a bit of a surprise. Take a watch. What's going on here? How are you? Um, you know, we don't uh, usually give personal lauding to anyone, but uh, special achievement made by special people deserves special recognition. And uh, on Thursday night, Devin McCourty will appear in his 200th NFL game. He start every game he has uh, appeared in, he has started for the last 13 years. So I want to be the first to congratulate Appreciate you. It. 200 games, he gets a mural of himself, a collage of all 200 games, moments and pictures. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool moment for him. What was your reaction? Oh, it was awesome. Uh, this guy has started in every single game he's played in. I remember a few weeks ago, the PR team hit me up, and I was like, wow, is it 200 stars or 200 games? And they coincide with each other. Very special for him. I joked on Twitter. I was just like, my son growing up, I want him to aspire to be like mm. Devin McCourt. So, a joke or for real? For real. Uh, I love pretty that guy. Pretty sincere. So really nice to see. So Very cool. awesome for him and the McCourty family. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 